Hello, everyone. Welcome back to H++, History++. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined by my fabulous guests here, Luke and Asher. Hey, Nick. I'm really glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always great to come by. Yeah, I am too. I'm, all, I'm also very happy that you guys are here. Unfortunately, though, however, our third guest, Matt, is not here, and we wish him a very speedy recovery because he is out sick today. In today's discussion, Asher has brought a topic of particular interest. Asher, do you want to take it away? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to, Nick. So today I kind of want to take you a little off the H++ beaten path. You know, normally we do these technological innovations, but today I wanted to look at social innovations. Particularly, let's look at social norms and how they've changed, particularly with the rise of the middle class. One big thing that changed was how politics worked, and I'm going to hand it off to my good friend Luke here to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, one of the big changes was with the 1848 revolution, people started to realize they had power in their government and deserved a say in what their government was doing. So uh, social contract theory, which had been talked about for centuries before, really started taking effect in the real world. And I think that's a really fascinating topic and significant to the turn of the century with how political views and the way government works changed. Luke, I kind of see what you're getting at with politics, but Asher, can you elaborate more on social norms? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. So social norms, you know, they've always been a thing, but they really started to change with the rise of the middle class. And we can particularly see this in Berlin and the text we are reading with people like Frida Klim. In her house, she had a piano yes. and she couldn't play piano. She doesn't have time for that. She has work to do. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> but... This middle-classedness, this whole identity, this whole culture is grounded in tradition. And part of that tradition is having material goods, having wealth. Another factor of this was marriages and meeting people. You were forced to meet people solely based on who your parents knew. Your marriage prospects were limited to the people your parents introduced you to. Yeah. It's also limited by the fact that people at that time... You know, they would go out of their way to prove that they're actually married in order to make sure that they don't feel as bad about themselves. Like in the text that we've been reading, uh, Frida actually wore a fake uh, wedding ring in order to show the world that she's actually been married before because of her age. It's not respectable at the time for her to appear that she's still single. Absolutely. And we even see these same stigmas from the turn of the century today. With the rise of dating apps, people are still hesitant to tell people, hey, I met my spouse, I met my significant other on Tinder. You know, it's it's not something people are very open about. Yeah, absolutely. I notice a lot of these symbols even in my house today. For example, the uh, going back to the piano. I mean, I, I have a piano that hardly anyone in my family knows how to play. It's, it's kind of weird how these symbols stick around. Yeah, I can understand both what both of you guys are talking about here, uh, that dating practices haven't really changed uh, that much at all over the years. And even with the rise of dating apps in particular, like Asher was saying, Tinder is really just a personal ad of your face if you really come down to looking at it. Uh, but Luke, what about politics? Have they remained the same just like dating has? I mean, I would say a lot of the stuff on the surface has changed, but at its core in terms of the way that we look at government's role and its relationship to its citizens, 
No, I mean, it's it's developed a little bit, but the core ideas that we stick to definitely have remained the same. And I think that's really important to republics and democracies, the way that Western government has moved towards and reinvented itself as. I can see what you're getting at, Luke. Today's society is very much a give-and-take system, given the rise of democratic republics, much to the likes of the United States, for example. You're given government services that provide value to you. In order to receive them, though, you have to pay your taxes. However, Asher, in terms of continuity in general, how does all of this relate to the modern world? Yeah, Nick. Well, we've been talking a lot about the modern world, and we've been looking at turn-of-the-century Berlin. Well, you know, it's so, so easy to forget is that's not that long ago. It's five or six generations. It's, it's you know, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, I think, was alive. And we have seen some giant changes since then. We had two world wars, the Cold War. You know, there have been plenty of revolutions since then. But that's the thing. Change is inherently slow. Unless we have a revolution, we're going to be stuck with the same traditions we had in 1900, the same traditions we had in 1850. Things aren't going to change overnight. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Sadly, though, we're nearing the end of this episode of H++. In today's episode, we discussed social norms and, to a small extent, the rise of the middle class. Anyways, thank you, Tyler, and to anyone else who has joined us today, I would like to thank my amazing guests, Asher and Luke, for joining me and for the fabulous discussion that we've had. We are sorry, though, that Matt couldn't have joined us today, but we look forward to him rejoining the podcast crew for next week's episode, refreshed and in good health. <laughs>